I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility Podcast. The Future of Mobility Podcast is focused on the pursuit of safe, sustainable, effective, and accessible transportation of goods and people. Given the critical nature of the world's climate and energy needs, these topics have never been more important, and they're certainly important to me. So, this podcast is a weekly interview series in which I learn from and put the spotlight on the people helping to develop and implement the technology required to move us forward. Who am I? As mentioned, my name is Brandon Bartnick, and I'm an engineer who realized that making a positive impact is the most important thing to me, both through this podcast and my career in the industry. If you're passionate about any of the topics I cover here, please feel free to reach out on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'd love to connect. Also, if you hear anything you like, please consider sharing the future mobility with a friend or colleague. This podcast is brought to you by Edison Manufacturing and Engineering. Technology innovation is great, but it doesn't mean anything if we can't bring our impactful products to life, which means we have to build them. And unfortunately, that's easier said than done, especially for startups and evolving companies that need a reliable option for low-volume builds. That's where we come in. Edison is your turnkey manufacturing partner, specializing in build and assembly of highly complex products in annual volumes of 10 to tens of thousands, utilizing an agile and capital-light approach. If you need a trusted manufacturing partner, then please visit us at edison-mfg.com or feel free to reach out to me directly at brandon.bartnick at edison-mfg.com or by visiting my LinkedIn page, Brandon Bartnick. Now to this week's episode. Today's guest is Jay Collins. Jay leads electric vehicle and mobility solutions at WEX, which is a global commerce platform that simplifies the business of running a business. As the senior vice president of an emerging division, Jay oversees a team focused on helping fleet customers accelerate the integration of EVs into their businesses while reducing their carbon footprint. So a unique angle on the podcast uh, this week and fun discussion. I'll I'll say there there is a a law in the middle where I ask a couple of questions that aren't as clean as they probably should be. If you make it through that, the, the back end, I think, is, is really interesting. And we, we, we finished strong here, and Jay has some great insights to share. So I, th- this this angle of, okay, we're on the commerce side. We're talking about payments. It sounds kind of obscure. How, how do you actually, why do you care about this? If you're thinking about electric vehicle implementation, it's a critical piece for introducing new technology and specifically electrified electric vehicles into fleets, which, as we talk about on this podcast, several times now fleets are a great application probably should be the first application where we get widespread electric vehicle introduction what you might realize is yeah there's a lot a lot of complexity that goes into that i certainly did not realize the amount of complexity that goes into effectively integrating electric vehicles into your business so we talked about various different case studies situations in which you need to be intentional as a fleet owner as a business about where and when and how you're introducing electric vehicles and how you're going to have revenue streams feeding from that and where it's going to go. So it probably sounds more obscure than it actually is. I think really interesting discussion. I hope you enjoy that. Please enjoy this conversation with Jay Collins. Today I'm joined by Jay Collins. Jay, thanks for joining the podcast. Brandon, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation, and uh, I, th- I think it'll be interesting. So I, I'm not sure how many listeners are familiar with with Wex um, as a company. So I think maybe a kind of intro or overview here would be worthwhile. So would you mind kicking us off and just explaining a bit about Wex and what you guys do? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and thanks for starting there. Right. You know, as an organization, um, we've been in the fleet business for over 40 years. Uh, so, you know, so we started out um, with commercial fuel cards uh, and we've expanded uh, into electronic payments. The way we see it, simplifying the business of doing business and going from fleet and corporate payments into benefits. So we have three uh, divisions within our organization, um, one covering our, our origins, our fleet business, the other one into corporate payments, and the third one being benefits. The common theme amongst them all is the electronic payment backdrop, but the reality of it is it's using technology to simplify our customers' business experience. When you say benefits, can you clarify what, what type of benefits are we talking about? In the healthcare space. Gotcha. Cool. And, and can, can you speak? Anywhere, anywhere where you have a, um, you have, uh, you know, a, a, a second interested party. If you're just a consumer, you and I going to say a fueling location, it's one experience. But when you're in a commercial situation, there's usually a fleet manager or a business owner who's another interested party in that transaction. So you've got the driver, uh, you've got the location, and then you've got that that third party. And back to the kind of the, the origin. So fleet cards. Um. <laughs> I'm uh, ignorant in the, this space. Can you, t you talk about kind of what, what's the need there and what's the solution look like? Yeah, sure. So, again, I was using the um, analogy of a, of a consumer experience. Let's say you or I went to a fueling location and, and popped our personal card into the gas pump. Uh, we would, you know, get an, you know, just uh, might ask for your, at most, your zip code just to make sure that, that you're the owner of that card. But oftentimes, not even that. You literally pop the card in might ask you a question about octane, what you want to grab, and then and then you hit the hit the pump and you go. In the commercial experience, and our product actually creates a level of security and control around the transaction because of the other party, the, the, the business owner, the fleet manager. Right? So in this situation, if you're a driver and you go to a fueling location, any fueling location in the United States, pop in one of our cards, uh, you will be asked for typically a driver ID, uh, and or an odometer reading. So we can track uh, fuel, uh, making sure that vehicles are not being uh, filled uh, that are not the ownership of the business. And what's what's something that someone who's not in that industry might wouldn't appreciate? So like, what what's the complexity or what, where is kind of the, the breakthroughs and the solution that WEX provides to, to offer value to your customers? Yeah, so it's um, and and it depends on it depends on the segment of the business, but we'll use just you know let's call it our general general customer. In this case, it is that level of security, that level of control that they have over the transaction, um, and not having to go back to doing expense reports, right? All of their information. So what you've got is a a single card product on a single credit line to a single data source, which has really enriched data. Uh, so we can help our customers become more efficient, more effective. Look across a benchmark and say, this is how you're performing against a like fleet uh, so that they know that uh, that they're not outside of the norm uh, and then they're within range in terms of their fueling cost and their fueling behavior. What do your typical customers look like? Again, that's a that's a broad swath, you know. Yeah. So, so we have over 16 million vehicles in our portfolio. We spent you know the better part of 40 years building that up, uh, and they're everything from you know the government space, uh, whether that be on a national level, state level, municipal level, uh, right down to your typical you know call it pharmaceutical rep and you know, driving a you know a, a sedan uh, and trades small businesses. So it's it's hard to say what a typical customer looks like because we've got everything from you know one to three vehicle 
fleets who really think of themselves as small businesses, uh, and you have your larger fleets who typically have a fleet manager, you know, the multiple vehicles that need to be managed. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I'm excited to get into discussion about what, what this looks like as the mobility space is evolving and things like that. But I guess before there, before we get there, I'd, I'd like to hear though about, so you mentioned electronic payments as uh, another one of the kind of the main verticals within Wax. Can you elaborate on what that looks like? Sure. It, or corporate no, payments, right? Yeah. So, so um, I'll go back a while and I'll probably date myself here. Um, but, you know, the old days they used to refer to them as knuckle busters when you slide the credit card across a, a, a manual um, uh, uh, device with a carbon in the bottom of it. And that's how you tracked credit card transactions. Um, and then the point of sale emerged where you can be putting your card in right at the pump. Uh, and we were in the very early days uh, involved in that point of sale transaction from a commercial perspective, therefore not having to go back to that, that, that manual process. We've taken that and translated it through into other industries for other um, uh, use cases, uh, and in particular corporate payments. If you are paying your vendors, uh, if you're paying, you know, you can actually pay them electronically, not having to write checks anymore. Much easier to reconcile on an electronic payment, um, much easier to, to um, get the payment over. Cool. And then I guess so back to back to or maybe this overall topic. So we have mobility, which looked a certain way for most of the the uh, the life of the company. Right. So 40 years, pretty standard. We had internal combustion engines, human driven, uh, I guess, pumps and and such have changed over time. But the vehicle itself has looked a certain way for for some time. That's changed pretty rapidly here lately and it's going to continue to change in the coming years how does that affect the your customers and the way in which you're serving your customers sure you know i think um i think with with everything we we see the form factor change over time and i think in this case it's ultimately for the better you know historically internal combustion vehicles um you know as you said they're let's call it more manual uh, in, in nature uh, whereas as we transition to EVs, uh, the ability to actually identify the vehicle itself in a transaction uh, becomes much easier. Uh, to a certain extent, you can remove the card itself from the process. Now, we're not there today. Um, we're still using RFID cards to, to activate chargers. We're using mobile devices to do it. Um, with the exception of Tesla, where, in the situa- where Tesla, you plug it in, it recognizes a vehicle, it knows who to bill on the back end. But those rails are still necessary to understand who do we pay and who do you bill for a transaction. Uh, But the reality of it is, in an EV world, uh, the vehicle itself can start to become the system of record. You don't need that that interaction between a driver necessarily and a card product where you can just plug in a vehicle. Now, again, not there yet, uh, but that's the direction we see things heading. And that is... That's just because of the digital nature of EVs for the most. Are we talking about connected mobility and telematics at this point, or not so much? Just kind of the the innate hardware and software on the vehicle provides this this information that you're able to utilize. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, heart, they're 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 computers with wheels, 
right? I mean, you know, they're, they're um, much more sophisticated than your standard uh, internal combustion engine. Now, uh, that technology can be put on top of an internal combustion chassis, but it's different when you're talking about uh, fuel in a tank versus energy in a battery. It's, it's much easier to understand um, things like the health of your battery, um, the, the load on your battery, performance of your battery, uh, than you can from a gas mileage perspective. Gotcha. And then so the so that change is kind of the back end of the way in which you're coming up with information that you're you're feeding to your, your customers. Is is there much I don't know, the the experience itself for fleet owners as they're shifting towards electrification? Can you speak about how that evolves or is, is evolving over time or any experiences that you, you've had or case studies that you can speak to about kind of what that looks like? Sure. You know, I'd say one of the most important things in wanting to work with our customers to make sure that uh, that get it right. We want to make sure that uh, from a sustainability perspective, that we don't start to see the adoption of EVs and then see backslipping because of a, of a bad experience. So we work closely with our customers to make sure that we're thinking it through, right? Let's, let's not just replace the next vehicle with an EV. Let's make sure that we have a plan in place we're replacing the right vehicle for the right use case at the right time. So where is this vehicle going to sit idle most of its time? Is it going to be at a person's home? Is it going to be at a business location? That's where the vehicle needs to be charging most regularly, right? Yes, there are going to be on-route transactions. There are going to be times when people are driving these vehicles throughout the day that they do need to stop into a fast charger. But the majority of charging should take place where the vehicle sits idle. And thinking about that in advance and making sure that the right vehicle is replaced gets the best experience for our customer. And we see then the least likelihood of backsliding. And so is this something then, so from a strategic perspective, is this part of the offering where you're working with customers to try to think about what a fleet electrification strategy might look like? Sure. You know, and this is where we say, you know, um, seek help, right? Because because there's, there's a lot, there are a tremendous number of tools out there to help customers determine not just the right the right use case, what is this vehicle being used for, but the right vehicle for that use case, right? So, um, you know, there are times a lot of, there's a lot of discussion right now about range anxiety, right? Um, but the reality of it is, we'll have a conversation with the customer and ask how frequently is this, does this vehicle drive more than 250 or 300 miles in a day? Right? And then looking, looking at those scenarios and determining what is the right vehicle with the right EV to replace this internal combustion engine. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And the I, I don't know a, an elegant way to, to ask this question, but how? So, given that kind of where you exist in the ecosystem, the mobility ecosystem, system with kind of the the work you're doing on the payment side and the kind of the business processy side, how or how do you get pulled into those types of conversations? Like, is that something where? Customers typically, your partners or customers are, are typically proactive enough to think, "Hey, let's let's pull in this uh, Wex who has this experience and and, and leverage this." Or is uh, like I, I'm just trying to put myself in in their shoes. It doesn't maybe not intuitively obvious that I'd be call calling for help there. But how, how do you guys go about uh, that education process? Sure, and and actually, this is one of those areas where we really appreciate our our customers. You know, the, for years, you know, for forty years, we've been working with them to uh, solve challenges, the, the challenges that they faced with their commercial fueling. Uh, so when some of them decided to purchase EVs, their initial call wasn't necessarily to us. Their initial 
thought was, hey, let's just replace this vehicle with an EV. And we were shortly getting phone calls thereafter. Hey, we're really excited. We have an EV. Now, what do we do? How do, how do we charge it? Uh, and so we appreciate that they were calling us because that was one of the challenges that they were facing. And that's where we started to move upstream to start working with our customers to proactively ask those questions ahead of time. Make, making sure that uh, that it wasn't just a, a vehicle that had already been delivered, only to find out that, that there was not a fast charger nearby and that the home of the employee where it was going to be spending most of its idle time, uh, you know, in the evening, uh, was not ready for uh, the installation of a level two charger because of the, the, the house itself was not up to code. It was a bad experience for our customer, um, but it could have been headed off by a handful of questions that could have been asked um, early on in the process. And so we're working with our customers to get upfront uh, to make sure, again, uh, that we're asking the right question at the right time to get that good experience. So we, we've had a lot of um, interesting experiences, as they'd say, early days. Uh, more, more often than not, now we're working with our customers and, and controlling, helping control the process um, to avoid as many uh, surprises uh, yeah. as possible. Yeah, I can only imagine how frustrating that would be to whoever was making those decisions within within your customer to you know, be so excited about the acquisition of a electrified vehicle and going towards the, the sustainability routes and then just realizing that it was just the wrong situation application that their that vehicle had little value in the that situation. Yeah, and I think in this case it was also we have to take into account the employee who was really excited to have an EV only to find out that there was a significant upgrade necessary to their home, uh, call it a home improvement project, in order to be ready for it. So a little disappointing there that that vehicle went into the hands of another employee, um, at least initially. And I think ultimately uh, that individual will have their home upgraded and 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 they'll get an EV, but it's just it it will it will take a little bit of time. Yeah, and how? Outside of electrification, if you think of kind of the other key trends in the mobility sector, so I don't gig economy, you have shared mobility, you have um, somewhat automated uh, transportation. Uh, can you do you guys see that much in in the the space you're playing? Like the the impact of, I mean, I, I think for example, like on the on the benefits or the the payment side, like what, what does that look like? Are you getting much involved in kind of ride hailing and or various uh, applications where the role of the driver and mobility and the business models are evolving? So uh, typically, typically not. We, we, we certainly see mobility evolving in a way that we can put um, new and additional tools into the hands of our customers to make their, their operation run smoother, right? I mean, you can think of uh, simple, straightforward concepts like the ability um, for the vehicle itself to be paying not just for energy, uh, but for tolls, right? You know, for parking, for things like that. So the ability to expand there. But our view continues to, you know, be kind of all on the periphery of the vehicle itself um, at this point in time. So uh, a little, a little, you know, there, there's there are additional areas beyond that that we will explore as an organization, but for right now, from an EV perspective, we're looking around the vehicle itself and those things that the vehicle um, would be the system of record for. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. What other uh, I don't know what what other key challenges are when when we think about the shift to electrification. What what other points might not someone who's in this this industry, especially thinking from a fleet side, uh, might not appreciate about what actually goes into a, a use for a, a smooth implementation or application of an electrified fleet or electrified options for a fleet? 
Sure, and, and reference the desire to make sure that this sticks, right? You know that uh, that our that our customers are getting a good uh, first experience with their purchase of EVs, and I think talking through and understanding those pieces up front that the on-route charging experience today is there are a lot of um, consumer solutions out there, uh, but in order to charge it, there there are multiple applications, and this is more from a U.S. perspective than, than say, from a European perspective, um, but you would have to have multiple different applications on your phone uh, to use the variety of chargers that are out there. There is no universal charging network in the commercial space at this point in time. We're working to pull it together, um, but uh, at this point in time, uh, it is, and it's not driven by cards. So a lot of our customers were thinking it's just as simple as getting my WEX card and I can go use that as a charger, not realizing that they were driven by RFIDs and mobile applications, near-field communication on the mobile device. So that experience right from the start is already different from what they're used to. And setting that expectation ahead of time is critical. You don't want them to be frustrated you know, when they first go and realize, oh, wait a minute, now my driver has to carry a few different RFIDs or have a few different apps on their phone, at least initially. That, that will give way over time here as we get to a, a, a more universal experience. Um, but that, that's like kind of first and foremost, they're thinking on route because that's how they charge their, that's how they fuel their internal combustion engines. Now it's that transition to, okay, where should this vehicle really be charged? And then you have the two situations. One, if it's going to be charged in an employee's home, how do you go through the installation process? How do you, how do you work, walk them through that process to make sure that, again, it's seamless, it's efficient, um, and, and, you know, the installation itself goes smooth for the employee, that that's a good experience. And then go on to the next scenario, which is, well, let's say it's going to be at a location of a business every night, call that more like a depot scenario, right, where it's, quote unquote, behind the fence, right? These are going to be chargers that are owned by the business. The vehicles return to the same spot every night, and that's where they get charged. Um, building a depot is, is not something, you know, that you just, you know, do overnight, right? It's, it, it takes uh, planning and, and thought in terms of what are you going to do from a, um, how many chargers will you need to supply the new vehicle? Are you building once, let me say, cracking the ground once to make sure that you have expansion capability. Um, and, and building that out requires support. And that's where our fleet managers historically have dealt with vehicles fueling on site. Now it's merging in with facilities. Hmm. Right? And so they're, they're getting involved with the facilities folks from a sustainability perspective. What are we doing from a, you know, we're installing chargers at this business location. Are we doing solar? Are we doing battery backups, right? Those the, are, you know, battery as a backup. That becomes important. You know, in New England, we're used to power going down a bit during the winter, you know, the, in the northern U.S. Um, you know, but but that's one of those things where if there is a, a, a significant event, what is that plan in advance of it occurring? How are you going to charge these vehicles if there's a if there's an event uh, that causes power to be down? So thinking through all that stuff in advance so that, you know, you're, you're not getting caught uh, flat-footed when these vehicles are being delivered and your lead time on the ability to charge them, there's a wide gap there. Again, just a bad initial experience. Make sure that we can shorten that gap as much as possible. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And as you were talking there too, I guess I had the light bulb clicked of like how, how different, I mean, having someone charge a corporate vehicle in their at their home and having the infrastructure to be installed that goes into that and 
dealing with um, and all, just that that that's a different financial scenario than having pretty clear delineation between home and, and workplace and making payments at a dedicated place at a, at a gas station or something. I, I, I have to imagine there's more complexity there to manage that appropriately and make sure that the proper controls are in place and the proper communication so that that doesn't become a either an awkward situation and or a situation that could become, uh, I don't know, either party could get taken advantage of. Yeah, and, and you want to make sure that, that um, you know, you, you do it right from a um, from a from a planning perspective, uh, certainly the interest of the the vehicle owner, meaning the the, the business itself, they're going to want to know that it's their vehicle that received that energy. So being able to definitively say, yes, your vehicle received this much energy, and that's what we're going to reimburse your employee for this month, without having to go back to expense reports, the ability to automatically reimburse an employee for that energy that's been used. But take it up to the installation process itself, and you know we're using the example earlier of um, a home improvement project that needed to take place. Well, at that point, you've got a, a, a business owner saying, "Well, wait, I, I don't fund home improvement projects for my employee, right? Like that's just you know, I might buy the the charger, uh, and I might actually pay a little bit to get it installed, but not to have the panel upgraded to 200 amp service, right? That's so." E- e- Knowing those things in advance help you plan better in terms of what that installation is going to look like, right? Um, and then after you're done tracking it and you're done reimbursing on it, just making sure that you have the pieces in place. You know, what happens if you install a charger at an employee's home and three weeks later, four weeks later, they leave the company? Are, are you pulling it out? What, are, what is your plan there? So having that right agreement with your employee, uh, if you're spending the money to install it uh, and to pay for the device and to pay for the installation, what does that look like? And so just, again, it's asking those questions along the way uh, to make sure that the experience is good for both the business owner, fleet manager, and the employee. Yeah, and this is, this is interesting in that and we, we talked a bit before this, right, about um, I mentioned one of the, the key kind of premises or one, one of the things that I've come drawn conclusions around for based on, you know, the podcast and my, my daily work in, in this electrified automated vehicle space is the fact that uh, we're we're past the point of kind of the technology being the, the key thing that's preventing us from rolling out decarbonization solutions and electrification as a subset of that. And it's now as much as is ever kind of an implement implementation problem and an application problem of figuring out, okay, where are the right places to deploy certain types of vehicles? And then also like tactically, how do you do this? And um, it's, it's interesting talking through, and, and that's something that I've been thinking about for some time, but hearing you speak about kind of the nitty gritty aspects of just tracking, tracking funds and payments and kind of where um, various I don't know if reimbursements or, or whatever need to go and actually like the nitty gritty of like the this situation about having um, a comprehensive agreement in place between the employer and the employee to uh, about charger inf- uh, introduction. So, like these are the types of questions that I I wouldn't have even thought about. Right. And I'm, I'm in this field and I'm thinking about these things, but like there's a level of depth and complexity here that is, is surprising me that I hadn't thought about. So it's, yeah, one very very interesting to hear you talk about this stuff, and then two, it also makes me think: what else am I missing when we talk about implementing new technology that could be significant challenges? Yeah, you know, if there's one thing I'm a believer in is that the time will be right. You know, eventually for all vehicles, right? It's just it's not at this point in time, right? 
but for many vehicles, it's ready, right? It's there. You can be using it. But, you know, the example that, you know, was giving of, of employees having that, that, you know, installation experience, three simple questions up front um, can answer, can, you know, can help really guide the experience, which is one, um, does the employee who's going to be driving this vehicle and where it's going to sit idle most of its time, do they own the home? Two, do they have 200 amp service? Three, do they have a garage? Preferably, right? Answer th three of those questions can determine, wait, is, th is this the right place to deploy an EV right now? If it's going to be charged at a person's home and they don't have 200 amp service, what's it going to take them to get their house upgraded uh, so that they could get a level two charger installed, right? So again, eventually, I see the level two charger in people's houses being like an appliance, right? It, it, it's going to be something everybody has, right? Um, but early days, asking a question, it's not going to be right in every scenario. Those scenarios will increase more and more and more as time goes on here and, and, and at a faster pace. How about, are, are there any other, are there any other situations you, you can think of or case studies or, or whatever where there might be blind? So thinking about fleet electrification and what it actually takes to, put a an electric vehicle on like any other planning things or blind spots that people tend to have when they come and they think about this and they think oh yeah let's create let's let's electrify let's let's elect or let's electrify are there any other areas where uh you can be like well actually let's let's take a step back let's ask some intelligent questions and try to figure out actually how to do this yeah and i think you know a lot of it comes down to you know if the vehicles are returning to a workplace at night you know what is the lead time where that facility is from a permitting perspective and availability for uh, contractors to get the work done um you know it, it it's certainly all achievable it's just a question of what time frame and the last thing you want to do is have a, a vehicles arrive uh, and sit idle because that work hasn't been done so it's a, a slightly larger coordination effort than just have you know ordering vehicles and having them receive you know, arrive at your site. Um, so again, just just one example where a couple of upfront questions and a little bit of planning really goes a long way in terms of uh, what that uh, what that experience for that business will be like. How about, can you speak, maybe, maybe your personal journey, I think is kind of interesting. I'd be curious to, to hear more about that. So my understanding, you, you haven't been in this mobility space and or especially the EV space for for your whole career, right? Or maybe even not that, not that long of a time. So can you talk uh, kind of what, why you got into this space, this role within the company and kind of what that transition has been like? Sure. And, 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 you know, one of the things I have discovered there, there, there are, you know, folks who have been in this industry for a long, long time, right? But, but certainly uh, there, there are those who have been around uh, the longest. Um, but I was um, a while back uh, putting out a, a posting for, for, um, bringing in some talent into our, our organization. We understand fleet really well. We've been out there searching for talent, bringing folks who understand the EV space. Uh, and I had put um, you know, years of, of experience in the EV space and someone said, I don't know that anyone has that much experience in EV. So, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a good eye opener to say, all right, yeah. But it, for myself personally, it's, you know, it's only been for the better part of uh, this past year. Uh, but my background has always been in startups and and that includes uh, starting in you know organizations within wex um heading over to europe to get our european business up and running uh, and so there's another piece of it um personally so one i've always loved the startup environment um but it's the output of what what that creates which is jobs um and gainful employment is critically important to individuals you know to families and to communities um and so i've always had a passion for 
building businesses and, and, and creating jobs. Um, but I also, and this is purely on a personal level, I, I've, I've spent my life surfing. Um, and so the oceans and the environment have always been in my direct line of sight, right? And, and you know, the answer was never to do nothing, but the, the question is, is what, what can be done? And I saw an opportunity here to really help drive sustainability. I, I believe fleet and commercial vehicles can really move the needle uh, from, a, from a sustainability perspective and have a great impact um, on our planet. So, and, uh, and like I said, that's, that, that's coming at it purely from a personal uh, level, but I love the idea of getting something up and running and, and, and constantly learning every day, which is what we're doing here in EV, listening to our customers and working to, to solve challenges that they're facing uh, against this backdrop of, you know, doing something right for the planet. One, one quick aside, do you have a feel, I don't, I don't know if there's a general kind of stat here, but fleet vehicles versus private use vehicles. So, so right there, there's the stats that are thrown around of like private use vehicles spend X percentage of their time in a driveway or on the street parked or, or whatever. My, I mean, certainly there's, there's certain types of fleets. Like you think of delivery trucks or buses or um, garbage trucks or things like that, where the utilization is very high and there's, there's high up flight up. Um, there's high uptime, but my understanding is that's not exclusively what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about various types of fleets. Do you have a feel for how much more utilized or what kind of the utilization profile looks like for the types of fleets that you guys tend to be working with? Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll get myself in a little bit of trouble here by, by um, you know, stating kind of an old stat. I, I don't know if this stat holds true. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But I once you know, heard that the, the, the commercial vehicle, um, a, a typical consumer vehicle hits a fueling location. I, I believe that is 1.7 times a week and a commercial vehicle hits one 1.2 times a day. So when you think about impact now, again, probably an old statistic, but generally speaking, pound for pound, your commercial vehicles are the one um, using the most energy. They're, they're, they're in use all the time. Yes. So if, if we have a limited amount of I don't know, development effort, but then I, I guess more, more specifically kind of energy and materials and supply chain resources and such that can go into electrifying X numbers of vehicles. Yeah, maybe it makes more sense to spend all the effort and the energy to build a battery pack that's going to be driving all around the city and be utilized versus having a bunch of them sit in driveways that uh, are sitting there collecting dust. And obviously that's an exaggeration, but well, then that starts to get into a discussion on vehicle to grid, which I think is really an, a, an exciting next step. It's not where we are today, but eventually what you have are rolling power plants. And, and when you think hmm. of one vehicle, that's not a tremendous amount. I mean, you know, you look at the Ford Lightning, right, recognize it, you know, bidirectional, you know, uh, charge. So you, you can power home with it, you know, if, if the power goes down. Um but that same concept is these are storage devices that so if you think about it if that vehicle is sitting idle and you don't need it you can help the grid by either storing that or putting it back up in on an as-needed basis i mean one really obvious use case you know where you could think about that is what if you go to the airport for the week and your vehicle's just parked and it's an ev and you could plug it in uh, and the energy company could use that for storage purposes so during peak they could offset it all you need to know is that that vehicle needs to be fully charged at this point in time at the end of that week. So that's a, that's a, a really um, different view. And on an individual basis, one vehicle doesn't seem like a lot. But when all the vehicles moving around,
around our rolling power plants, it becomes really interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I hadn't thought about that either. And I mean, the, the airport's a good example, just to be clear to just like the benefit isn't necessarily that one time you you um, offload and then fill up, but this could potentially be very transient, right? And like the periods where you have excess, you throw it into these battery packs and then they could sell it back to the to the grid at the times when, and it's, it's huge from a sustainability perspective, right? Because often that marginal energy is created for the most part using, utilizing coal-powered um, power plants, which disproportionately versus renewables. Then also I'd have to imagine from a business case perspective, if you do start getting tens, hundreds, thousands of vehicles that are utilizing and there's an arbitrage that are take be taken advantage of when you're offloading, when it makes sense and then selling back when the grid really needs it, that has to be a good financial play there too. Right. Yeah. And again, it would be um, fun to watch that start to emerge, right? It, it's being discussed today and you can you know, understand the, the concept behind vehicle to grid, but uh, I, I look forward to a you know, point in time when you can really understand uh, what that means from a, a planning perspective uh, and, and, and ultimately from a, a monetization perspective on the fleet vehicle itself. Yeah. And then from a payments perspective, that's got to be complex too, if it, trying to figure out where the money flows and how and all that type of stuff. Well, that's, that's where we step in, simplify the business, doing business, right? So Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So maybe then thinking back to one, your experience working with startups and companies that simplifying business, and then also your experience within Wax building um, organizations and stuff. Have you, I don't know, what do you think about kind of the, the key lessons you've learned along the way of what goes into ramping something up from, from zero to one and kind of what goes into actually building up in this somewhat self-interested company, right? So, so, so I was with a large global company, uh, engineering services company until earlier this year. And then now I'm part of a leadership team in a smaller startup of sorts where we're, we're, we're scaling up and going through kind of the growing pains of what does that look like? So yeah, I'd be curious kind of what, what, what are kind of the, the high hitting points that come to mind when you think about, you know, what goes into doing this really well? So, you know, I think, um, I don't think it'll be a surprise at all to say the most important important point is building the right team, right? You know, and, and there's a, there in, in a space like this, there's there's got to be a, a coming together of, you know, an environment that we've been in for 40 years, um, but bringing the right talent to the table, you know, now to help us understand and help smooth that transition. And along with that comes that level of curiosity. I, you know, I've heard people um, kind of call it that geekiness, right? You, you geek out about the subject, right? And, and that, that, passion um, in those individuals to help with this transition. So, um, you know, I always felt that you can have a, a commercially viable idea. Um, ideas are one thing. Execution is the really key piece, and it's the people uh, that make that execution occur. So, um, you know, and the, the great part about doing with an organization like WEX is, is having that backing. I mean, 40 years of, of, of building up our customer base, right, that, that cost to acquire but that level of experience and knowledge and, and the ability to dive in and talk to customers in different um, scenarios, right? That's something that smaller startups don't necessarily get. So that backing that you get from a large organization um, is, you know, maybe it's a bad joke, but it's kind of like doing a startup with a rich uncle, right? Like, you know, the, you know uh, 16 million vehicles and the ability to, to interact uh, with them um, is, is, is not a, not a, bad situation to be in um, as we're starting to, to work the EV uh, discussion. So it, it, EVs are 
call it this way, to sell themselves, but the solutions are what we need to bring to bear. Um, and the only way we're going to do that is, is asking the right questions and, and bringing the right people to the table. How about, can you think of any specific learning resources that have either, so books or otherwise that have either had a significant impact on you um, during this journey and during, during your life or that you often kind of recommend to to others or that you would recommend to others or, or someone who's uh, kind of going through this process? You know, um, there's there, there's no shortage of, of articles and, and, and things being written in the space, but I would encourage anyone to just go out there and talk to people who are experiencing it. Nothing, nothing beats that firsthand experience. Um, you know, get, rent an EV, tr try it, you know, like, like really, um, and talk to fleets. What has their experience been? So while it's true, I, I could give you a, a laundry list of things that I've read, nothing as powerful as things that I've experienced. And I, and I think we find that the same way with our customers. Yeah, no, that makes it. Ton of, I mean, so very. So when you're trans transitioning into the mobility world, yeah, I have to imagine. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to picture if, if you haven't gone through the experience of charging an electric vehicle. I mean, even the conversation that we've had here right now, right, about thinking about what goes into payments and how you might think about that on the back end from a fleet perspective and stuff. Like, I have to imagine it's hard to conceptualize that if all you have in your mind is a gasoline pump and kind of you're thinking by an analogy because. It's a different experience, and then also it's a very different experience depending on the specific pump type that you're, you're charging at, right? Um, but you wouldn't know that unless you're actually out in the the world experiencing those things firsthand. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, this this has been really interesting. I think a unique, yeah, unique perspective and unique angle. That as I mentioned, I mean, this is an overall topic or underlying topic that I've thought a good amount, but I, I'm not haven't gotten into the the weeds and this these specific things and this leaves me more more curious than anything hopefully people listening have um, a similar experience here um so i guess maybe two two closing questions here so one is there anything we missed here that you were hoping to uh hoping to talk about and if not or i guess either way um anything that you would say you're hoping someone who's listening to this comes away and um, kind of a key takeaway thought that you're hoping that someone listening to this takes away from the podcast yeah, I think I'll go back to the you know where I was starting with the the importance of not wanting to see EV and sustainability slide backwards. Right? We want you know that we've got great momentum here, right? And what's going to maintain that momentum is having these vehicles work for businesses. You think about this in the commercial space. And so to that original point, know the use case. You know, don't just replace the next vehicle with an EV. Know what it's going to be used for. Have a plan. Where's this vehicle going to sit idle? Where's it going to charge, right? And then ultimately, seek help. There, there's a tremendous amount of resources out there uh, from a sustainability perspective. And the example I'll use there is, you know, like the right vehicle for the need, right? It, you know, does it? Do, you know, the, the, a lot of times they say, oh, well, got to have a Ford F-150. Okay, got it. I understand why if you're in a trade, that might be the case. But there's a lot of variety coming online here and making sure that you're um, selecting the right vehicle for that use case. Not, not, not just on the upfront transition, but on getting the right vehicle itself. Yeah, I feel like that's, I mean, especially for, for fleets and areas where you know what the duty cycle and the typical driving cycle looks like. I mean, you mentioned the, the stat of kind of making way to the gas station, but 
it doesn't really matter how much you drive per day and get an IC vehicle. Like eventually, whether it's a day from now, two, three, you're going to make your way to the same gas station. But if you do it properly with an electric vehicle, you're always charging at, you could always be charging at the same place. You go and you, you do whatever it could be a hundred, could be 200 miles, 50 miles or whatever. And you're charging at the same place. And it's, it's important to realize for a given vehicle, do you need a hundred miles versus of range? Do you need 200? Do you need 300? Do you really need to pay for all that goes into that upfront cost and the extra weight to carry around that vehicle? Or could this specific be, are these some of the things you're, you're thinking about? Exactly. That you're you're dead on, right? That that's exactly what it is. Why pay for the additional mileage and the, the and the weight if you don't need it? Um, and I you know say one thing that's been great about you know, again, just a personal experience. But I love having an EV because every morning when I wake up, it's full. Like I like in my internal combustion, and this is I, it's it's hard for me to purely just blame it on the family. It, it, my orange light was always on. Every time I got in um, it, in the driveway, my first stop was at the gas station, right? Like it just seems like I was always going there. With the EV, every morning when I get in it, it's got a full battery, right? And and so um, the number of times I'm actually going to a location on route is relatively limited. But if you are a commercial vehicle on the road all the time, well, that's gonna be different. However, it is fairly straightforward to understand where charging up options exist along a route and just make sure that you have that plan in place. If you know you're going to go more than 300 miles and that's your range, okay, where are you going to stop? Where are you going to take that time to, to do a fast charge on it before returning? And the other piece is, you know, you, you don't always have to fill it, right? If all you need is 30 miles to get back to the location where it is going to charge um, that night, then you don't need to put, you know, you don't need to put in 200 miles. Yeah, it's a complete reframing about what goes into re-energizing a, a, a vehicle right and you have to think about it in different ways it's not always you're you're topping off and trying to get every last second because you're yeah no need to pay for the extra dc fast charge or to take the time to uh to do it in those situations right right cool, cool. well jay we really appreciate it like i said this has been a, a fun discussion appreciate you joining great to uh great to meet you here and uh wish you the best of luck bring you as well thank you very much enjoyed the time today thanks Well, there you have it. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jay Collins. So as I mentioned at the beginning, I think fun, interesting discussion here, something that I certainly wasn't thinking about as much as I probably should. Possibly the same same for you if you're listening to this. Uh, this implementation question of how do you actually put electric vehicles into fleets in an effective way. Really interesting to hear how they're approaching this, how they're helping their customers proactively think about this. And that's that's kind of the, the key takeaway I had that you know Jay touched on a few times here of the biggest thing is ask the right questions, ask questions early on. Don't just go buy an electric vehicle, throw it into your fleet and hope that you're going to figure it out later. Ask questions in advance. What actually goes into this? What can you learn from others who are going, who have adopted electric vehicles in their fleets and how can you do it smoothly? So Fun discussion here. I also enjoyed uh, Jay's perspective. You know, leading, building up businesses within Wex over the years. I think it was cool, cool to hear what he's learned from that and how how he's approached that. Uh, yeah, o- overall an interesting discussion here. So, hope you enjoyed the conversation. As always, more to come next week. Thank you for listening to the Future of Mobility podcast, brought to you by Edison Manufacturing and Engineering. 
If you have a need for a trusted manufacturing partner for low volumes of highly complex products, then please visit us at edison-mfg.com or feel free to shoot me a note directly at brandon.bartnick at edison-mfg.com or visit my LinkedIn page, Brandon Bartnick. Edison specializes in build and assembly of highly complex products in annual volumes of 10 to tens of thousands, utilizing an agile and capital light approach. If you're making an impact in the mobility space, we'd love to help. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Future Mobility Podcast.